0: Grow yourself and grow your marriage.
1: Chris and Johnna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast.
2: I bet that just startled somebody. What? You just came in hot, like what? you yelled. <laughs> Was I? You're super. Chris and Jonna here. <laughs> He's hyper today. <laughs> No, no, you're Chris this morning. At all. No, okay. Um, guys, it's episode 107, and I'm excited because we actually have an interview for you. It's been a minute since we've given you a solid interview, hasn't it? Has it has been. Like, I can't remember the last episode that was an interview, but it's been a while. I'm sure they could find it. They probably can. <laughs> but this one is super exciting because if you've been listening to us for any amount of time, then you know we recently uh, finished up kind of nonchalantly. The book club series, the we very, abruptly We abruptly finished up. Finished up <laughs> the book club series. Our it, first... on
1: COVID. it used to be oh, Thanks Obama. Now it's don't, thanks no, COVID. No, don't
2: even say the word. Cove and then
1: I star. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Anyways. Uh yes. So the first book club series we ever did was on triggers, exchanging parents' angry actions for biblical response. That's the exact title. Very right? nice. I know. I'm just making sure. Wait. Oh, we let Kelsey borrow it. Yeah, we don't have the book. But we loved the book. We heard from a lot of you guys that you loved the book. It gave us tons of new perspective and insight and just, I don't know, a new way to look at our kids and our calling as parents. And so we're going to put a really pretty bow now on the book club series rather than just ending it on you with an interview with one of the authors, Amber Leah.
1: Yes. So guys, this was a great interview. We really enjoyed it. She was super inspiring. And I just feel like more than anything, it was refreshing to talk to someone who was willing to answer the hard questions and talk about the book. And I think the coolest part of this was just hearing the origin story of how Triggers came about Mm -hmm. and all the future plans.
2: Well, my favorite part about that, and this is like a little tidbit before the show starts. Is you'll kind of see how when we are obedient to something God's calling us to do, how it turns into something, or can or will turn into something so much bigger than what we could even plan for ourselves. Yes. So that's like a little mini uh, teaser, tease, teaser. There you go. Uh, oh, and should we talk about the other book too?
1: What that's that's part of the that's surprise part of the, of the You're right. Okay, I, I Chris
2: always says I'm really bad at surprises. So Just
1: terrible at surprises.
2: You want to say your part? Without further ado. Without further ado. <laughs> Chris, don't you remember we on episode 107, but I figured
1: I'd tell you anyway. Stop. Okay. Anyway, so here we go. Without further ado, Amber Leah. Amber Leah, welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast.
0: Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, us too.
2: I already told you before we started recording that I'm super excited to talk to you. Got the book here and ready to um, answer or answer, ask you some questions that uh, we've we have.
1: <laughs> what? No, you're good. Oh about. my goodness! It has it's been. been a long day. It has been a day, yes, for sure. Um, so first off, a lot of people should know that. If you guys have been listening to our show long enough, you know that we did a book club um, with a book that we always referred to as Triggers, uh, Parenting Triggers in specific, and uh, Amber is one of the co-authors uh, with her friend Wendy, and so, like we said, we are, I mean, just seriously thrilled to have you, uh, so... Amber, first off, I want to just let you know what we do on the show a lot of times is we throw a curveball at our guests up front. So <laughs> no, not a curveball, we, no, well, throws
2: the curve me balls. more than
1: anybody, right? But, <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> so, right up front. So what I'll do is I will I will let you know we are so ready to dive into the parenting triggers, but then we also want to really cover your new book um, that we're really excited about hearing about. And then, you know, just kind of some questions on your overall Body of work and all the inspiring work you and your husband do
2: sounds good. Awesome. So first, I think because we've been dragging our listeners on for quite a long time with the book club series, I think that I want to just kind of tie a pretty bow on that. And what's a better way to do that than talking to you? Um, First, I mean, I feel like this is such a basic question, but what what even inspired you and Wendy to sit down and be like, we need to write this book? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a great question. You know. I never intended to write this book. I actually never intended to struggle with anger and yelling in my parenting. (laughs) And so, you know, um, God has a way of bringing along uh, his surprises into our lives that he then works for good. And, you know, when I was a young mom, this was a struggle for me, Um, getting highly frustrated. There were a number of dynamics that contributed to that. And I really was embarrassed by it and thought, you know, I was the only one. I didn't know that other parents and other moms struggled with this. And I loved God. And I felt like I was somebody who um, demonstrated a lot of patience and kindness. And I'd been a teacher for 10 years and really never raised my voice with my students and was very calm and cool and collected. And so Then when I had a bunch of little guys all at once, back to back, um, three little boys actually it started even after my first son was born, who was just highly needy, colic, never slept, uh, lots of reflux, just, it just became more than I felt like I could handle. And so the frustration grew and eventually, um, I worked through that with the Lord and I write a lot about that in my book and we can talk about that but as God brought me through that journey personally toward a more gentle biblical approach to parenting one of the main things I realized was this wasn't really about my kids or their immaturity it was about me and that I needed to be changed and transformed and when I when I allowed God to do that in my life it had a direct impact on my kids and their behavior so it was a, it was a long journey and around that time, I started a blog and I started just writing, um, things related to my faith and home and family life and being a mom. And eventually I started writing for a contributing blog. And so that meant there are about, you know, 20 of us writers that were all writing for a website. And eventually they said, Hey, you know, we're getting letters from people who are struggling with anger would anybody like to run a Facebook group for that? And I was like, no, I did not want to do that. Um, I had been through that journey. I didn't want to revisit it, nor did I want everybody and their mom to know that it was a struggle for me, even at that point. So I ignored that request. Nobody else raised their hand either. And after a month or so went by, they sent out a message again. Hey, does anybody want to run this Facebook group for people who struggle with anger? And Again, I just was like, I don't want to do this, but I felt the Holy Spirit sort of nudging me that this was something I needed to do. And so I talked about it with my husband and he said, Amber, you you're supposed to do that. You need to do that. And so I very begrudgingly raised my hand and I just kind of said, Well, if nobody else wants to do it, you know, I guess I might be able to. <laughs> and they were like, Okay, wonderful. So I start this group and within a week we had a thousand moms join.
1: Wow. And yeah.
0: That was my clue, like, oh, there's a need here, and it's not just me. And it was this big, light, bulb moment. But right in the midst of that, as I opened up that group, I didn't have any, um, like, controls set, so anybody and everybody could just share at will. And there was just this mob of visceral anger that I could feel. There was so much blaming and shaming, and it was all about the kids. And I just went, whoa, this is gnarly. Like, I don't know what to do with this. This is a big thing. And I prayed. I just said, God, I'm going to need your help to steer this ship around. There's a, an epidemic of angry parents out there. And I I don't know that I'm qualified to do this. And so I immediately changed all the controls and started to set the tone for the group and to lead them through just this process of uh, examining ourselves first and really understanding normal childhood development, ages and stages, and how to cope with those kinds of things. And so the group grew to, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000. It just grew very quickly. And so after about almost two years of just pouring my heart out in that group and, and working with parents who struggle with anger and yelling. Uh, it got to be a lot for one person. And so I said to that group of contributing writers, anybody want to help me in here? And Wendy speak, uh, who I had just recently met at the time and was coming on as another writer. She said, I'll help you in there. And I was like, Oh, thank goodness. So she came into the group and a few months in with Wendy, we decided to do a triggers series. I said, Hey, Wendy, I've been, you know, ministering to these ladies all this time. I think it would be really great to just one by one, go through specific triggers. And now that I have some help, we can just knock it out. You know, you take one, I'll take one. And so we put together this list of triggers and it within a week of sharing this series, the response was so enormous that I, I just couldn't sleep at night with this Thought in my head, which I believe was definitely from the Lord, that just was saying, Amber, you need to make this into a book and you need to do it right now. And I had already been trying to publish a book on anger, and publishers were telling me nobody wants that topic because it's got a stigma attached to it. And I said, I know, but I'm trying to get rid of that stigma and these people need help. So I thought, really, Lord, you want me to write another book and try to do this and and make it really about specific triggers? And so I could not shake that feeling. And so I messaged Wendy and I said, Wendy, we need to write this book called Triggers and we need to do it right now. And she said, okay, it's a good idea. I'm going to have to pray about it for a while. This is not good timing for me. I can't do it right now. And I said, okay, you pray about it. And then we start on Monday. And oh, so she gosh. was like, okay. So she got on board and we wrote that book very, very quickly. And uh, it you know, was Very warmly welcomed and received and was, you know, an Amazon number one bestseller on the first day we launched it. And Mm. it just we self-published it and it just has exceeded all our expectations and was really an answer to prayer where God was answering that prayer early on that first week that I started that group where I said, God, I can't do this. It's too big. And so he took that book to get the message out that there is a better way, that we don't have to be angry, yelling moms and dads, and that you can be transformed and change the tone of your home. And so it's just been a huge answer to prayer and really one of the highlights of my life. Wow. So
2: awesome. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, that's how we found it. We we were struggling in our home with feeling angry a lot. Like you, we had our kids back to back. We're pregnant with our fifth right now. Our oldest is only six. And so we're in that season of just feeling like, Oh my gosh, how do we do this? And I just got on Amazon and I, I started looking for books on parenting and anger. And I was, as soon as that book popped up, I was like, this is perfect because obviously like we live our life by, uh, The Bible. And so when I saw the title, I saw the picture is what actually stood out to me. And I was like, okay, that's how I feel most of the days. And then I saw that it was um, for gentle biblical parenting. And I got to tell you, Chris and I read it together. And I think there's something so special about knowing that you are not alone. And when I could read these chapters and so many of them stuck out to us, which also was kind of hard that so many of them stuck out, but when I could read them yeah. and be like, okay, I'm not the only mom feeling this way. I'm not the only one going through this. Um, yes, I can't appreciate, I can't thank you enough I'll tell you how much I appreciate you guys um, following that calling to kind of destigmatize it. And now I've got friends asking me all the time about it. So yeah. Awesome. Oh my Thanks. You
0: guys. That's a blessing to hear.
1: Yes, yeah. it is. It What I think is cool about it. And so the whole origin story of us finding it in addition to that was, you know, we've had this podcast and we're like, hey, our marriage is doing good. But, you know, God search our hearts and show us like what what needs to improve in our lives. And and both of us, were just like parenting like one hundred percent. Like we are Angry, we get frustrated, we get overwhelmed, we get overstimulated. All these things are happening in our lives, and and while we're putting this podcast on, I think it was easy for us to have a little bit of imposter syndrome. Uh, like maybe people assumed like our our parenting was right up there with our marriage, and it wasn't. And so having Jonna kind of scour and find that book, and I remember when it came in, she was excited about it, and like that night we opened it up and we started reading it. Uh, and I remember seeing the word mom a lot, and. Without making it disconnect from me as dad, I literally just kept reading it as parents, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yes. And making sure I was inserting myself into it as well. And yeah, I I just think the way you guys just hooked everybody in, told great stories, and related it ultimately to the moral standard that we all agree with, which is God's word, was amazing. So yes, well, that.
0: Thank you. We do have a lot of we have a lot of dads that that love yeah. the book and read yeah. and the best way to do the best thing if, if ever possible is to read it together is really yeah. ideal. So while we originally were writing to moms, we absolutely include dads in all of our books, and yeah. really hope that they're encouraged too.
2: It helped us to be able to pick out different things when we're reading it together and realizing, you know, holding each other accountable as well because you know, we could read a chapter and really be like, okay, this is how God wants us to respond. And obviously our, our show is grow yourself, grow your marriage. And so we feel also grow yourself, grow your parenting. We realized, yes, just like with our marriage, it's not about what my spouse is doing wrong. It's about what, where can I show up better? And that really helped change our perspective as parents. And but yeah, like I said, help each other, like, Hey, don't forget, like, this is a trigger. How can we, I mean, not always in the moment, but right. we definitely it definitely changed our tune
1: yes, which which leads to the next question here, and that is, so I know when when we were doing the book club on this, we ended up doing uh, I think about eight chapters or so uh, and kind of sharing our experiences with those particular triggers and our listenership was really responding well to it, but I remember there was a point in time where uh, we were reminding each other based on the triggers we were talking about. But then there were also times where we're like, man, we felt this intense imposter syndrome, like, wow, like we are, literally highlighting this book and we feel like we are failing pretty bad uh, just trying to live these things
2: out. Oh well, yeah, like if our friends, yeah. our community group was over, we're at church and and I could catch myself like, oh, that's not what I just right. talked about in that episode of how I should react. It was like
1: Yes. Yes. So and accountability.
2: So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for
1: you, Amber, what I mean, is that something that you and Wendy dealt with while writing this book? Maybe a little bit of <laughs> like Oh my goodness, imposter syndrome. I I don't know if that would be the word, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I I totally know what you're saying. Listen, I think it's really important for every reader and listener to know that nobody is perfect and that life is a journey, and so every relationship is a journey, and that's especially true with your parenting relationship. Is that we're all works in progress, and I think one of the reasons triggers resonate so soundly with people is because we write from a perspective of We're not PhDs who've arrived some, you know, experts that are telling you stuff like we're just sharing with you our very personal journey. We're extremely transparent about the things that we've done that we're not proud of and that we are still works in progress as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's comforting for people to know, even now I'll get readers who, you know, want to know when is, when am I going to see change in my children and in my own heart? And I keep telling people, just keep doing the good parenting you know you 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 did something said something you didn't want to say or do yesterday or even this morning already listen we're not perfect and so the point is to work towards progress this is about being perfected in Christ letting him perfect us which is a process and not being perfect so early on i think that we did have some chatter in our heads where you know, I honestly feel just enemy attacking us and trying to discourage us and the good work that we were trying to do to help people um, that will be your condemner. And one of the things that I say in the book is that, you know, Satan will always try to condemn you. He will always try to make you feel guilty. And so Satan condemns, but there's a godly conviction. Like God wants us to change and to be better also. But the difference is, is that Satan always condemns with guilt and God always catapults you forward toward growth. So there's a difference between condemnation and then being catapulted toward growth. Like, here's an area that we need to work on. Let's move forward in the right direction, as opposed to, here's an area you need to work on. You're a terrible parent. Mm -hmm. And and so that is the message that we really want parents to take to heart so that they're not feeling this burden of, I have to be completely perfect. I struggle with all 31 of these triggers. I'm overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Nope. just take one thing at a time. Know that Wendy and I are still works in progress. Your kids are going to keep getting older. They're going to enter new ages and stages, and you're going to have new things to learn. At our house, we have toddlers to teens and everything in between. Um, I have four boys. And so it's always a process. You do get better at it as you go along. But this is not, you'll, you'll never hear the message in the book that Wendy and I feel like we are perfect and we've arrived and we're absolute experts and we have no problems. We wrote triggers for a reason is because we recognize these triggers regularly and they're the triggers will always be there. The difference is how do we respond to them?
2: Mm. That's so good. That's so good. All I can think of while you're saying that is just all of us moms, especially, who really struggle with that mom guilt. And I think what you said, I just want to reiterate about um, you know, the enemy is the one who condemns the lord convicts us. So I think that's healthy, right? It we should be convicted in areas where we're not parenting the way he calls us to. And just to know that difference in the voices because it's so easy to beat yourself up and think oh like I'm such a bad mom. I yelled again. I'm never going to, you know, never going to get better at this. My kids, I'm ruining my kids or I didn't do this and that and I don't think that those are from God. Now, when I was reading your book and I see Uh, Well, one of the things that most stuck out to me the most was the chapter, I think, about angry kids and talking about, like, it's so easy to look at them and be like, oh, like, what am I doing wrong? Why are you guys so angry or why are you so mean? Like, I don't feel like we raise you in this house. But then when you guys broke down that list of how could we be bringing out anger in our children, I had a healthy Mm, dose of conviction from the Lord because— So many of those things I feel like I struggle with because we have so many so close and it's constantly trying to figure it out like, yeah, yeah, I'll play with you in a little bit. And then, you know, you break that promise to them because something else comes up Mm -hmm. and or the um, unhealthy, not unhealthy, unrealistic standards between siblings and all of this stuff that we're trying to figure out that I'm like, oh my gosh, I see why my kids are angry and it's hard. So that, that kind of leads me to my question is how do you, when we're reading the book, and when we we're doing the series it's really easy to have all those things at the forefront. When we're not, I can see how quickly things start to slip in. So how do you how do you keep a present mind about handling those triggers?
0: Well, I want to give people hope that you really can get to a place where where you you really don't have angry reactions almost ever. That that it's very rare that that you become a person who's very self-controlled and who who has a Um, a joyful heart that even when things are chaotic around you between your children, that it does not affect you in the same way that it might right now. And that you can learn to not take all of those things that your kids might be doing personally, whether they're willfully being naughty or they're just immature. Either way, you can get to a place where you understand even just intellectually, this isn't about me. And so I think one of the most helpful things is that um In the first chapter of triggers, I talk about being a mom as coach or a dad as coach, and so, when we can look at the things that our kids are doing and we can recognize okay this isn't personal it 's not about me that I say that triggers are opportunities if we allow them to be so instead of looking at a trigger, something that frustrates you and angers you, and there's so many of them, and you immediately go to you know the body language that's you know hands on hips and frustration and you can look at that and go, huh, they have some more coaching that they need. They need some more development. They need some more strategy in place to help them learn to grow and mature. See, the whole process of us as parents is to help our children mature, both emotionally, physically, spiritually, and in every way. And so if we look at it like that, it becomes far less frustrating for us because it's not personal. We look at them and we see, okay, this is a little person. And clearly they need my help still. So, you know, if... My child is, um, you know, always late out the door and they can't find their shoes and it's just a constant problem. And then we all get frustrated and the car ride is miserable. I can look at that and go, all right, well, what's the situation? You know, if you were an athlete or a musician and you went to have some training with a coach, they're not going to put you in an Olympic trial on day one right you're going to have practice they're going to say okay here's a need let's assess your ability your skill set your personality your gifts and then let's work on their strengths to make them stronger and let's identify your weaknesses and i will coach you and work with you to improve in those areas and then at some point there's going to be a performance a recital a competition and that's when you're accountable and that's when there will either be a consequence of you know loss or a reward of hey victory in this area and yet as parents, we look at uh, something so significant as development, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and think this should just be natural. And when they don't do it, I get to get upset. Well, mm, not really. Really, we need to look at those kids as people that we're here to train and to coach and to love and to occur, encourage and affirm. And so when we can identify that thing that's a trigger or a frustration or even a misbehavior and have a conversation with them and say, hey, this isn't working for me. And it's not working for you. So let's talk together, even if they're very young. Let's find out, you know, what do you think could help us be on time more? You know, you keep losing your shoes. Do you have any good ideas about that? Put a basket by the front door. All the shoes go in the basket. Easy to find. Whatever the case may be that's going to help you. And then practice outside of conflict. You know, you don't like the way one kiddo is talking to the other. Hey, guys, let's try that again. How could we communicate that differently so that we're not hurting each other's feelings? outside of conflict. You know, we're going to practice that the next three days. Okay. You know, um, Oliver, you don't like it when Quinn says that to you, Quinn, are you hearing him? He doesn't like that. Okay. Oliver, how could Quinn maybe say that differently? If he wants that thing that you're playing with instead of grabbing it or shouting at you. Okay. Let's practice that. Let's role play. Okay, guys, let's, let's play this out and see how it goes. And let's practice and let's practice and let's practice and let's affirm, you know, I wake up every day telling my boys, I know that you're going to be so um, helpful today in keeping your room clean. I just really appreciate that about you guys. Now, this may be a total weakness on their part, but the minute that I start breathing life into them and showing them that I believe in them, then I start to see a positive change. So the, the key here is very intentional parenting. Sometimes people will ask me, is this like just permissive parenting? Like, don't get angry, don't do anything, don't discipline, don't, no, no. This is just very, very intentional, proactive parenting on the front end so that we're not even having to have those triggers and be so reactionary in the end. So it doesn't matter what the situation is, as long as you're coaching them toward right behavior, it's gonna work out. I promise. But don't get overwhelmed. Take one thing at a time for as long as it takes to work on that one thing and then go to the next thing if necessary.
1: Oh, that's great. That's so good. I mean, that's that's such applicable advice to. What I think is really interesting about parenting these days is you mentioned intentional parenting, right? And I think one of the chapters that hit me the most, and I know, and I know Wendy may have written this one, but I know you guys probably collaborated and had a lot, yeah, a lot to did. say mm-hmm. together. I think yeah. something so overlooked right now, Amber, is overstimulation. I think that one hit me more than any of them because the fact of the matter is, how can we be intentional if we're so Overstimulated by social media, and we're so overstimulated by all all the things, you know, all all of the things. Um, what would you say from uh, from an overstimulation perspective? Like, what are some applicable tips we can use to be more intentional parents, even though our brains are like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't want to not be overstimulated. That that's my me time."
0: Yeah, you know. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, parenting is stimulating. All right. I mean, it's a stimulating state of being because you're always on and there's very little reprieve. And so uh, one of the things that Wendy and I talk about is you. We have to be not just intentional in the parenting, but intentional in the downtime, intentional to create margin when you don't have any margin for error or to breathe. It becomes so much more difficult to keep your cool because we we get depleted so easily we're depleted by our own um workload we're depleted depleted by the housework that we need to do we're depleted by just the concerns that run in our head about what we're going to do about school next year i mean there's just so many things that are vying for our attention and so if there's a lot of stimulation and you feel like that is affecting your family negatively and causing you to be angry guy and i my husband guy and i i know wendy also we're very intentional to be organized in our calendar and we block off time to just be at rest. In fact, Guy and I talk about that in our marriage book too, our marriage triggers book, that we have got to schedule time because uh, it, I have a feeling that Chris and Jonna, like Guy and I, you you have a strong work ethic and it's really easy to just fill the time with everything. And that's true for our kids. It can even be good things that we're filling our time with. Um, you know, if I'm running around to this practice and that practice, and then the kids are doing this lesson and that lesson. The thing is, I think that the overstimulation comes from a good place at heart. We want to do lots of things. We want to provide lots of things. But when our kids are overstimulated, it backfires. And when we're overstimulated, It backfires. And so it's not a good combination. And Guy and I, we regularly take time to just literally have gaps where we don't schedule anything. It's just blank. So when that time comes, what do we feel like doing? You know, do you do think, do you have time in your life to just do what you feel like doing in the moment with your kids? You should have that built in. You know, do you have time where you've actually scheduled um, a two hour block or an hour and a half block once a month with each child? You know, and you've got four or five kids like you guys do and I do. Um, that can be tricky. But Guy and I tag team on that. You know, we will schedule just downtime and we let the kid pick what we're going to do. It's not going to be fancy. It might just be going down to the park to play catch together, just one-on-one. Or going down to get some frozen yogurt together. Something simple, but that's that the child picks where we just get to have time to just be at peace and just pour into them and listen and be together. Um, we are very intentional to limit screen time in our house and it ebbs and flows, it changes with the season. Um I know it's particularly difficult during COVID <laughs> and the way life is right now. Um but we are intentional with that um both for our kids and for ourselves. We're very intentional about bedtime routine. We have a very solid bedtime routine that is predictable and it's like clockwork. Summer we loosen it up a little bit, but during the school year especially Uh, Our kids, we know that they need to not be on screens and have just some candles lit and some soft music playing and calming reading or some time as a family having some conversation, read a bedtime story before we go to bed so that they're not stimulated and they can get good rest. There are a lot of practical things we can do, but again, it does take intentionality. It doesn't happen by accident.
2: So how many ideas are going through your head right now of things that we've tried or want to try or talk about trying? Uh, I want to touch on because I've also had a listener ask us this question, like, how do you divvy your time? So I think what you said is so good. So just because I mean, this is selfish. I'm just curious for us. We always say we need to schedule more one on one time with the kids because it is very hard to for them to constantly have to compete and share attention. They all the girls share a room, they I homeschool, they do everything together. They're never apart. So right. you said monthly you make time for each you and your husband to spend
0: individually. One of us. So I'll take one month and then Guy'll take okay. the next month. So we're not okay. both doing it every month like Got we it. piggyback. So they're getting like six times a year that they're having just a, you know, one-on-one time with me and then six times with their dad. And oh. it's really, really helpful. And then, I, you know, it's not like that's the only time. If there happens to be True. an occasion where I can take two kids and go do something together, you know, great. But but those are rocks in our calendar. We call a lot of these things rocks in our calendar so that we know those are immovable. I'm not going to, as tempting as it may be, to you know, record a podcast on that day because that's when someone's available. If that's the time I've set aside with my child, he gets the priority. That's great.
2: That's so good. We need to do that.
1: Yes, that is <laughs> that is really good. In transitioning to the new book, let's talk about that because now you got us all excited about that. Uh, so triggers again, but for the marriage. Yeah, let's.
0: What's the exact title? Again? Yeah, exchanging. The,
2: the
1: exact title.
0: Yeah, so it's Marriage Triggers Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. Ooh, that's good. And there's, that. a free, there's a free study guide for it as well on my website. Awesome.
2: Yeah, okay. We'll definitely have to have you give us all the places we can find you. The listeners can find you here at the yes. end. So this is
0: also co-written, or is this just you mm-hmm. and Guy? So I co-wrote this with Guy. So he's okay. my co-author on this one and he wrote one third of the book. So you definitely hear his voice. And it was um sometimes a trigger writing a book on marriage triggers. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, yeah, I gotta work it out. No, actually it was it was a really meaningful process for us to write this book together. And in the same fashion that the parenting triggers book is really transparent and very practical and very biblical. This book is as well. And we cover 31 of the most common triggers that we feel marriages struggle with things from everything from, uh, you know, miscommunication to um, just busy schedules to feeling like you're not loved anymore to, um, you know, just the, the dealing with parenting on the same page or not. Like there's just a lot of different marriage issues in there that we cover.
2: Literally, you just covered some of the top things that we hear people talk about, or that we have talked yes. about on here ourselves. Ooh, that's so good. We're we're gonna read that for yeah, sure. How definitely. long have you and Guy been married? So
0: we've been married. But this will be our sixteenth
2: year coming up. Okay, so exactly double us. Double. Us, we're going on right. eight this month. So nice.
1: Oh, shoot. Oh shoot! No, yep,
2: it's uh, July, babe. It
1: it's
0: July. July. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. You know there. what she'll she'll
1: do to me randomly? She'll just wake up in the morning and she'll allude that our anniversary is like the next day or something like that. And my heart will drop and then I'll realize, okay, it's, literally I could it's say May. anything
2: about our anniversary in, cause I keep saying for our 10 year anniversary, I would like to renew our vows because you know, when we got married, we loved each other, but it, it is so different now. We were so young and yes, we were very much so just kind of like, Checking off boxes when we first got married. So, like ten years, I'd love to renew our vows and make a big deal about it. So, I, I talk about it kind of often, but this time it really is coming up, babe. Next week and or no, like a week and a half.
1: Oh, okay. Honestly, I'll be ready. Got
0: time, Chris. You, you got, got time. time.
1: I will be. Re- I will be ready. So, <laughs> so I am. I am super interested to get into some details of the the marriage triggers book. Um, so, first off because this is a new thing. I know you mentioned um, that this was written during COVID or it was set to release during COVID. And so a lot of stuff has changed. So what's the availability of it right now? Let's, let's start. Yeah, you can, you can get it.
0: Yeah. You can get it anywhere books are sold. It's widely available and um, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at places like Barnes and Noble, um, you know, other, you know, Christian booksellers there it's there, it's available.
2: Have you gotten any, this is just a random question I thought of, have you gotten any pushback, negative pushback? Because, you know, today's the day of people coming at everybody who has an opinion different than theirs. Have you gotten any negative pushback on either of the books um, that has made you? You know what? You?
0: Such a good question. A lot of people don't ask that. So I'm glad you did. One of the things that um, I continually pray for is that that God would protect the message of whatever I'm sharing and us personally, and that it would be received in the spirit with which it's been written, which is from a place of deep love and compassion and empathy, and with a very intentional desire for it to be accurate, both just for people personally and biblically. And we pour a lot of effort into writing these books. And so we have had almost none. Like you will hear from a lot of authors who get a lot of pushback on things, and God has just shielded us from that kind of across the board. And it's been um, such a blessing. And I think it, it's because we we labor so. <laughs> so much overriding it that it would be well received. And and it really has been. So we're really thankful for that. We get just, it's a, it's a joy to open my email box and um, just to get messages from people who over and over again are just saying how it's transformed their marriage, you know, or their life. And to me, I mean, I feel like if, if I never did anything else, the rest of my life, I feel complete and satisfied because, Um, it's so meaningful for me to have been able to just help other people because our marriage was such a mess. Our, our marriage was rough and you'll see that in the book. And so we're at such a different place now. We still have lots of triggers, but you know, God's used all of these things, both in parenting and in marriage to grow us and to make us better. And so we're still works in progress, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's been very well received. Thankfully. That's
2: amazing. That is awesome. That's one of my favorite things about just about God is that things that are so hard that in the moment you're just like, "Why am I going through this? Why me?" They're frustrating. You feel like things are never going to change. That those things can then be used for for such good. Because I mean, same. Our our marriage was rough, and that's kind of how this podcast was birthed. So. Right.
0: Yes. Awesome. Love that you guys are so willing to be transparent, also. It's encouraging. People need to know that. They need to yes. know that yeah. there's hope.
2: That's why we always say people ask us, especially our family members, be like, why do you share so much on there? Like, anybody can listen to that. We're like, uh huh. Yeah. Because we want, because it is hard to, like, kind of like back to the book, to the parenting, is it's hard when you don't know that other people struggle with what you're struggling right. with yes. in your home life. Because, as we know, the highlight reels of social media right. and just even seeing people in public, like, oh, that they're being so patient. I would have lost my cool <laughs> with that or whatever. So, yes, yes yeah. that's why we share all our garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, some. Yep.
1: so true. So true. Amber, I have a question for you. And obviously, I don't know if it's in the Marriage Triggers book yet, but I'm sure I would find out. But I feel like this is a vulnerable thing that maybe isn't talked about enough. Uh, And this could be between parenting and marriage. But I mean, guys just aren't stepping up anymore. Right. Um, It took me. Not Guy, your husband. (laughs) Guy,
2: right. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. He (laughs) he wasn't for a while, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. And are stepping up. So
1: I tell people all the time, I was not. A, I wasn't an acceptable father until baby number three uh, yeah. for us and we're on baby number four and now oh. we're about to have n- number five, uh, right? Like, so yeah. we have four and we're about to have five. So things have changed, but truthfully, uh, I was, I was trying to fly below the radar in a lot of ways and I wasn't stepping up as a spiritual leader. I needed to be uh, definitely not, um, definitely not being trans- like open, Uh, fully in my marriage like we are now, uh, where there's nothing off limits and laying my pride down, all that stuff. So God has totally dramatically transformed my heart. It has nothing to do with me or a personal growth tactic or a formula by any stretch of the imagination. But I just wonder if you can share, um, what are your thoughts on why men aren't leading their households anymore?
0: This is a really big question and we address it in several chapters in marriage triggers. And I'm going to do my best to, you know, keep it kind of short and sweet, but yeah. it's a, it's an excellent question. I believe it's one of the number one issues in causing marriages to struggle is because there has been a mentality in the past where, you know, the gender lines are very defined and in our, you know, 2021 world um, the the world has changed, our culture has changed, and a lot of times we associate a cultural norm from the past to actually be like a biblical or a rule or a law, and it's just not. And so it's very difficult, especially if you've grown up under a certain type of example, to then think openly and differently about other ways of relating to your spouse and other ways of dividing and conquering both parenting and responsibilities. And so this is something that we don't often talk about. We make a lot of assumptions when we come into marriage. And so for me, I wanted a very traditional setup when I married my husband. I wanted him to be the leader. I wanted him to lead a Bible study every night. I wanted him to provide. I was going to stay home after a long career and raise our children. And it, it God just did not allow that to happen. There were all kinds of, you know, job issues and job loss. And I had to step in and and help with some of that at certain points. And um, I had kids that I felt overwhelmed by and I needed his help. And so we had to go through a lot of struggle to get to a place where we finally recognize that the best marriages are marriages where people are very much a team. And so my idea of guys leadership or lack thereof had to shift. I had to recognize that I was the theologian with a minor in theology who loved Bible study and loved doing that kind of stuff with our kids. And he was not that guy, but he was a prayer warrior and he was going to be an awesome example of character to our boys. And he was going to show them how to have a servant's heart. And he was going to talk to them organically on hikes and pray for them at night. But I was going to be the one to teach him Bible verses and to talk about the depth behind it and so on and so forth. So dads aren't off the hook, but even in spiritual leadership, um, I think we have to recognize that our spouses have a different personality. So your husband has a unique personality. The wife has a unique personality. Your marriage is going to have its unique personality. And so you have to look at that and not filter it through the past or expectations or previous experiences and really take ownership of what is your unique life look like. You know what? Is dad, um, you know, able to have flexibility to be home more and can help out around the house more? Or is that mom? You know, Guy and I, I, I haven't done dishes in years you know, he does all the dishes. He leads in that way. And I do most of the laundry. Um, we partner on a lot of that. Now we work together. So we partner in that as well. And we're very fluid. Everybody's situation is going to look a little different. The key is to communicate clearly about what's working, what's not, to be willing to challenge your own thoughts and expectations about what you think leadership really looks like. And to be willing to be humble enough to say, this is maybe how I've thought about this in the past. Am I willing to think about it a little bit differently, especially if it is causing anger, frustration and triggers in your marriage, it's not working for you. Then you have to be open to doing things differently and thinking differently, giving your spouse grace and room to be themselves, being willing to, if you see a need, fill a need, not because it's what the wife should do or the husband should do, but because it's a need and you, if you have a servant's heart, that's going to define your marriage. Not necessarily who's a leader and who's not, and who should do this and who shouldn't, or who's doing what or who's not. But am I willing to, in all things, serve my spouse, whatever that looks like? That's what Jesus did. And if we do that for one another, you're going to have a solid marriage.
1: Amen. That's awesome. That is is so great. Uh, What do you think about all this? So we always try to hear a listener. Who's who's listening to this live, right? Um, and almost answer a question happening in their head. And I got to think, there's someone listening, like, yeah, like I'd like to, but she doesn't do this, or he doesn't do this, and
2: or he wouldn't hear me if almost, I almost, yeah,
1: almost, almost playing the tit for tat, uh, and just being like, yeah, but why? Why would I do that? What's in it for me? Type of thing.
0: So great question. A couple thoughts come to my mind. First of all, let's say your spouse is even being sinful and wrong, and they're not, they're just not even willing to work with you. The first thing you have to always understand is that your spouse's sin does not justify your own. So you want your spouse to partner with you and to serve you. Well, are you willing to do that first? We talk in Marriage Triggers about having a me first attitude. And that's not a me first, me, me, me. It's a, oh, I wish he would do that. How can I do that first? Mm. I want him to apologize to me. God, is there anything in me that I should be apologizing for? Let me be first. If you both adopted that, and listen, I don't believe that even if you have a hardened spouse and you love them well and you serve them well and you are a light in your home, that you will not have a positive impact for change on that spouse. I believe very much in the power of prayer and leading with a lot of prayer before you have a conversation and then being willing to have a conversation. Guy and I had to have times in our chaotic early, you know, kid parenting, child where we said every Sunday at six o'clock PM, we have a sitter for an hour or two hours and we get coffee. And that's our time to be able to say, hey, let's talk about some things in a very gentle, humble spirit, where we come and we say, hey, this is a little bit of an issue for me. Could we talk about this and work it out? And we both get to do that. We we'll don't come with 20 things and we don't come with an accusatory tone, but we're willing to talk about it. If you have a spouse where you do love each other and you both want to try, you're just kind of stuck. Start with that. Start with just say, hey, let's just come together. Can we just come together once a week or every two weeks and just kind of talk and work things with an attitude of we are for one another. We want to move forward, not being accusatory or blaming, but this is how I feel. I could be wrong. I want to see what your perspective is. Could we come up with some practical things that we say and do? Guy and I have given each other permission because we'll start getting frustrated with each other. And we've given each other permission to say, Hey, um, I need a minute to step away because I feel myself going down wrong path. I don't want to talk about this in front of the kids. I'm going to start to get angry. Um, I need a timeout. And then the other person's like, good, go take a breath, take a minute, you know, take a holy pause. We like to call it and collect yourself and we'll revisit this later. So, but we know we've agreed it out of conflict outside of conflict, that that's something that we give each other permission to do because we don't want to have those kinds of interactions in front of our kids. So it's really just about, again, you know, being willing to say to your spouse, could we start making progress on communicating? Let's have some time where we can discuss some of these things. Here's some ground rules, (laughs) just kind of about the tone and what it should look like. Come with humility, come with grace. If you have a spouse that's really not willing to even talk about these things with you, you might be in a place where you actually need some counseling, um, but it doesn't give you off the hook to not serve them in the way you would want to be served. And I'm not talking about abusive situations or situations that are extreme. We're never going to be a doormat for somebody's sinful behavior that's repetitive or abusive. We're not advocating that. And we would want people to get help and some professional intervention. But for your typical marriage where there may be some of these struggles, we think there's a lot of headway that can be made in this way.
2: Amen. So basically coming down to once again, being intentional, scheduling that time, talking, making the plans outside of conflict, because Lord knows it's so easy to get heated in the moment, especially when you also have the kids yelling and talking while you're trying to have a conversation. We did a couple episodes on how to have an uncomfortable conversation because we learned very quickly that's not the way to do it. (laughs) Right. Uh, I get very sensory sensory overloaded. That's definitely one of my triggers when the music's on or the TV's on and the kids are all crying and talking at once. And then my husband tries to talk to me about something that's accusatory or, or any kind of seriousness. And Like, like why'd
1: you spend 80 extra dollars at Target? Yeah, really bad like timing to like ask that. Yeah. That. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, do you want to switch gears? Do you have anything else on the, the marriage book? No, I
1: the last thing I'll say is while While you were talking, I was just thinking to myself like man it is it is amazing how like we can look at marriage and realize that there is no ceiling to the growth that God wants for us, and it's like God continually wants us to grow in him and God continually wants us to grow closer to each other and he he wants us to keep fighting that fight um, because like you talk about in even even those parenting triggers, a lot of them translate, which is why you wrote this Marriage Triggers book, uh, to marriage. It's just so easy to be distracted and feel like, oh, yeah, we're okay. We're average. Eh, no big deal. I'll settle. Divorce is messy type of thing. And so uh, I am personally super excited to dive into uh into that marriage triggers. book.
0: Awesome. Yeah, thank you. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Um, I just want to share, I know you're probably wrapping up soon, but James 1, 19 to 20 is a verse that I really hold closely to both for parenting and in my marriage. And it says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So whether it's parenting or marriage, there's nothing that anger can do that love can't do better. And so if we're going to be angry and quick to anger and allow that to rule, it's not going to produce anything that's good of what God wants in our lives. It's not going to help the situation. And so learning to do that, to be a better listener, to watch what we say, to slow down, to recognize that we don't have to get so angry and to really have a desire to establish the things that are going to produce the righteousness of God, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, goodness, love and all these different things. That is what we can work together toward. We're going to mess up. Um, it's normal to do that. It's human to do that. But really, if we can just be making steps toward the right direction, um, it's going to have an incredible ripple effect generationally. And I really think that it's going to bless your life and the lives of your listeners
2: that's so good like i'm i'm emotional anyways because i'm pregnant so i always want to cry at like that (laughs) no that's just so good because it really it's been on my heart lately and we've talked about it on the show that realizing that marriage and parenting like it's refining us it's it's not it is a fire it is it is hot it is chaotic it is hard but i think that that's I don't know. That's such a good way to put a bow on it. But I do not I do want to ask you one more thing though, because so I also know you're doing health coaching, right? Yes. I actually just joined your group right before this. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. that makes me want to ask you the question we get asked a lot because you also homeschool, right? Do you homeschool all of them? Yes, I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And so we just started our homeschooling journey. We obviously podcast, he works full time. We've got all these children and people always ask, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? A lot of times we're like, I don't know that we are doing it. Like it's yeah. hard, but I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. sure you get asked that a lot too because it seems like you're all doing the time. all the things. Yeah. What is your what is your like go to answer for that?
0: You know, I would say, listen, y- you need to just own your own life, right? And know that there will always be many things vying for your attention, your talents, your abilities, your time. And you as an individual get to prayerfully decide, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, with the health coaching, I never had any intention of doing that. But three years ago, I was in a really dark place with my health. I had gained a ton of weight, I was stuck. I knew that my physical health was actually the foundation to everything else with my parenting and my marriage stuff, too. Because when you're not physically healthy, it, it affects your emotions. It affects your self-worth. It affects the way that you um, just have enough energy to get through your day or not. And so I came to a, 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 the end of my rope with that and reached out to a friend um, that I had seen losing weight. And Um, Got on an amazing medically designed plan and lost 80 pounds. My husband lost 65 pounds.
1: Amazing. Wow. Yeah.
0: Lost 60 of that in just five and a half months. And it's just been life changing for us. And so it just became a new passion for us because we see a deep connection between when when your brain fog is gone and your clarity is back and your energy is back. You're going to be more emotionally stable. And when you're no longer feeling so miserable and depressed because you hate putting your clothes on in the morning and you feel achy and you've got blood pressure medication that you have to pop, you know, it just reduces the quality of your life. And that is not what God wanted for me. Personally, I knew he wanted me to steward my body well, if, and I was worried about the impact if the trajectory that I was going in was actually going to possibly even cut my life short. What well, was that going to make me as a mom? And so um, I got on this plan and took it seriously. It's been a complete lifestyle change, and actually, um, my next book is coming out in January. It's called "Food Triggers: Exchanging Unhealthy Patterns a third for God Honoring Habits." Oh, yeah, uh,
1: you just threw a curveball on
0: Listen, us. Listen, I need to get. That.
2: <laughs> I need to get that that on pre-order because that is just full transparency, vulnerability. That is something I struggle with hardcore. I'm pregnant with the fifth. My body's seen a lot of changes and we've been in a stressful season and I have not been stewarding my body or my family's bodies well. So I I need that now.
0: You're not not alone. It's it's very common. You know, it's upwards of seventy to eighty percent of Americans are overweight or obese. The majority of them are suffering from preventable chronic disease as a result. And so this is a a real heart's cry for me now is to help people get physically healthy, um, foundationally to just Every other relationship of their lives, so I'm passionate about it. Um, I, you know, coach people. All my support and everything I, we, that we do is free. Um, but we, we're really passionate about it. We're looking forward to and prayerful that food triggers will um, be a huge blessing in people's lives. So cool. We'll
2: have to bring you back for and that so, one. So uh,
1: seriously, what an amazing yeah. ministry you guys have through yeah. through triggers. Just being being able to cover those incredibly important components of our lives uh, yeah. and. Even hearing the origin story, I think that came together. And now and now look at what God's doing through all yeah. this, uh, through nice through your today. obedience when you're probably like, wait, why?
0: That's how, what I was going to say. Imagine if you this? didn't listen and, and yeah. join in for that anger um, blog. So cool. is, I know. It's I know. It's, it's such an amazing thing. You just never know what saying yes to something will do for your life. And we all have so much in the future that God has good for us in store. So I hope that encourages people too.
2: Amen. Amber, where can our listener listeners find you?
0: So you can just um, search my name, Amber Leah, L-I-A is my last name, and you can find my website um, under the same name, and that's also um, my handle on like Instagram and my author page on Facebook, The Real Amber Leah. Uh, you can find me there. There are a lot of resources on my website, like that Marriage trigger Study Guide I mentioned. Um, I've written a series of short and sweet Bible study guides to do with your kids, and there's a free one, like a free week on my website that people can listen to. Um, or download and do with their kids. There's just all kinds of you know information there about my books and so on and so forth. So that's probably the best place to find me.
1: Amazing. We will definitely link that in the show notes so everyone can find you and all of those amazing resources and what you and your husband, Guy, have going on. So thank you again for being on the show.
0: Yeah, thank you, Amber. Kristen, Johnny. you're doing a lot of good work. Um, I'm so honored to know you and to get to talk with you today. Thanks for everything you're doing.
2: Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If this episode with Amber brought you value, and I know it did, if you are a parent who is in those young years, especially, please go ahead and share it with another parent friend of yours. And don't forget, you can text us at 513-620-4333. Thanks, guys.